it's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Good morning and welcome to Accelerate. Today is Friday with my guest on Frontline Friday, Bridget Gleason. Bridget, how are you today? I'm doing great. Good morning, Andy. How are you? Good, good. Uh, well, at least I think it's good. As long as the snow doesn't fall, it'll be great. So That's uh, right. You're in New York now. <laughs> yeah. Today I'm in New York. So, um, so gosh, we wanted to talk today about, really about you and your day, you as a vice president of sales what your day looks like, right? How do you how do you allocate your time during the day and how that breaks down? Because I really think for people that are in management positions, that's really always a, a struggle, right? Is how do, I, how do I efficiently and effectively allocate the time that I have in order to achieve what I need to achieve? So, go ahead. Uh, it's, a good, it's a good question, Andy. I take a huge deep breath because I'll tell you, this is something that I struggle with. I know my peers struggle with that there's always too many things to do than the day, than I have time for in a day. And I don't work short days. But we're going to get into that. Is, yeah, and it, but it's a sense of prioritization. How do, how do you figure out, how do I figure out, how does the VP of sales figure out? How does the salesperson figure out? What are the most important things to do and what are the most important things not to do? <laughs> exactly right which is as important sometimes things not to do as what you have to do so do you have i mean how do you so i sort of see sort of seven categories for you and i was you know as i was thinking through is this in preparation is that you know you've got your time you spend managing time you spend coaching time you spend selling time you spend recruiting planning in meetings you know sort of corporate responsibilities and then maybe at the end of the day, there's actually some personal time for for Bridget. So, how do you how do you let's start with managing and your sort of sales ops? Is you know are there metrics you check every day, and when do you check those? And are are you saying managing? You're you're talking about managing from a metrics perspective versus a people perspective. Exactly this, right. Right. Yeah. Process versus so, people. Gotcha. Um, that's a that's a big part of my role right now as a VP of sales at Sumo Logic. And just as a little backdrop, when I was at Yesware, I had a consultant come in who was helping with a lot of our Salesforce, um, our Salesforce instance implementation to make sure that we had clean data mm -hmm. so that we could run good reports and get good metrics. And the thing that he said to me when I was the VP of sales at Yesware is he said, gosh, Bridget, you spend tons of time in front of customers. You're always in front of customers. And I had said to him, that seems like a funny comment. I said, I feel that's a big part of my job. And he made a comment that at the company where he previous worked at AdRoll, that the VP of sales there spent a lot more time internally doing more of what, you're, what you just asked me about, Andy, mm -hmm. which is the process side. Fast forward to Sumo Logic. I've I'm now much heavier on the process side, 
more so than I was on the customer side. So I bring that up that what I'm doing now as a VP of sales may not be how every VP of sales needs to do it, depending on what their situation looks like. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it'll be what I'm doing six months from now. Because there's process to be built. There's process to be built. There's metrics to be figured out. There's sales force to be cleaned up. There's a lot where the, the inside sales machine at Sumo Logic is new. And as a result, a lot of the processes haven't been built yet. So a large part of my job is identifying what the metrics should be, making sure that we can measure them, making sure we have visibility into them, making sure I'm working with the different groups and departments. Marketing is the most obvious, mm-hmm. that, that all of these things uh, connect and that we have mutual visibility. So I, I would say today at Sumo Logic, I spend at least a third of my time on the process piece. Hmm. Okay. And you know, there are certain things that you look at when you first come in the door each morning. Yeah, I have, I have a couple of dashboards that I look at. One is just, sober, uh, let's say looking backward, overall, what has the team, what's the team done? So basically, you know, what deals did we close? Where are we relative to our goal? Things like that. So just sort of the general health of the different regions that I manage. And looking at that in terms of what they did the day before? Just where we are to date. Okay. Okay. To date. All right. To date. Then I look at, we just implemented these standards of performance and what are the different key things that need to be done in a salesperson's day for them to achieve? If you do these things, you're very likely to hit your quota this quarter, next quarter, et cetera. So what mm-hmm. are the activities today to build to? And we didn't have a good handle on what those were. So we built a, a, a dashboard. And I can look at it every morning. And I can do it by region. I can do it the overall company, the, the overall sales team, I can do it by individual. And it gives me a snapshot in the key areas, red, yellow, green, and tells me where, where, where the team is in each of these. So for example, and these are more, these things are more process driven, activity driven, you're yes. talking about. Yes. Yeah. So the activities they need to do to make sure that I get the end result that I need. So I go and look at this dashboard and it's it's wonderful to me for me to be able to see and for the individuals <clears throat> to be able to see where are they in terms of the number of discovery calls that they need to have per month. Mm-hmm. Red, yellow, green. The number of um, demos or let's just say demos, for example, that they need to be where they need to be red, yellow, green. So those are really important metrics because they help me see if I don't get these fixed today, there's no way that I'm going to hit my number in the future. So there are a couple of dashboards that I look at and reports first thing in the morning before I start the day. And then I look at them. I typically look at them first thing in the morning, midday, midday end of the day. And do you see much change between you know, beginning and mid-end? It's it's not necessarily that I even see much that I see much change, but I I just find that I I look at different things, 
And so I may focus on different areas. I may have a different question in my mind that's come up during the day that I want to get answered. So I look at them because perhaps I'm looking at different things. Sometimes they change. I mean, they change, but they more, they more likely change over a week or over a month. But often I'm just, I'm answering different questions. Okay. Okay. Um, so then how much time do you spend? So you said roughly a third on managing. So what about coaching? So now here's the people part of it. How much yeah. time do you spend on that? I would say the other third is spent on coaching. And coaching, I mean, the way that my org is set up, I've got three directors who report, to, four directors, who, three directors who report to me and, and manage different functional groups. They've got managers under them. I make myself available to anybody on the team that wants time with me. In fact, I encourage it. As I'm looking at my calendar right now, I see three different meetings of individual contributors who've asked for time, who've put time on my calendar. Mm -hmm. And I, I always tell them, if you see white space, you've got my permission to, 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 to put time in. It's not a lot. It's, it's, 20 minutes, it's 15, 20 minutes usually. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily a long period of time. The rest of the time I spend with the managers and helping the my my direct reports, the directors, and then their the managers that they report to. How can I help them be better managers? Got it. Got it. And is that do you have sort of a structured way that you hold those meetings, or it's just sort of, you know, hey, they've got a question, let's deal with the problem that exists today. They vary, but I would say there are, there are a couple of components that always come into play. One is just how is the team doing? This is when I also may look at the, well, uh, definitely I'll look at these reports, and I will look for things that stand out to me that maybe they need to pay attention to if they are, or haven't already noticed. And oftentimes they bring that to me. Mm -hmm. Hey, mm -hmm. I see the team is struggling here. So it's it can be pretty tactical, but how do I manage my team to, to perform better? Another component, Andy, is where do they want to go in their career? I, I have conversations about where people want to go almost daily, it, it, depending on which manager. I, I pay a lot of attention to where people are trying to get and how I can help them get there. So that's typically a component of it also. Mm -hmm. Do you actually get time to go out on the floor and observe calls and so on? Oh, definitely. And, and we have an open environment. So we're, I'm out on the floor with the rest of them. So I overhear calls. The, the call that I am, I'm on a call right after our interview this morning. Um, I go face to face to meet customers. So there's, there's a combination of that also, but very important that I hear calls. So how would you, how much of your time would you estimate you spend, let's say on selling? Either you're on calls, observing calls, traveling to meet customers. I would say right now for me that that is, if I had to divide up the other third of my time, I would say probably, gosh, half of it. So a sixth of it is selling, and the other six is just maintenance in, in meetings. So in your job, what? because you manage the inside sales team, so when you're out right. traveling to, to meet customers, what what's really sort of the agenda for you? 
A couple of things. One is I, I like to participate and observe. It, it's kind of a ride along. How mm-hmm. it's doing? Mm-hmm. How's the manager doing? Typically, when I'm brought in, it's the, the customers that my team or the prospects, prospects that my team handles are companies SMB and what we consider mid market. Okay. Companies with less than a thousand employees. So it's when we're talking to a a VP level and above that they'll bring me in. And a lot of it is just to reassure the prospect, soon to be hopefully customer, that they've got executive support and that I am a a, a channel that they should feel comfortable to go through um, if they have any issues. It's it's sort of at that level that that I come in. Mm -hmm. My intention, Andy, is that when we start our fiscal year next year, which for us, we're, we're one month off, so February, that my time with customers and actually riding shotgun will dramatically increase. Riding so, shotgun. Well, yeah, you got to be in the field, right? I think that you mentioned that early on. It seems like there is this sort of uh, divide between, and I don't know what where it originates from, but yeah, some expectation on part of VP of sales that their job is really about managing the process as opposed to managing sales. Well, I, it's interesting, Andy. I think about this a lot as sales is changing and sales is especially, let's say the inside, the, the, the departments, well, it's everybody. I was going to say just inside, but I'm going to, I'm going to retract that statement. We have access to more data to make better data-driven decisions than ever before. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the, the challenge and the opportunity for VP of sales is that they, they have this data. How do they make best use, use of it so that they can better coach and mentor and manage their team? So the role I see is, in my experience, just my years of being a VP of sales, is it's shifting a bit where the process piece is really important. And Roles that are coming up in sales are chief sales data scientist. Uh, sales operations is becoming a much more strategic role rather than a, a support role. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, that's kind of where we're, we're moving. Our sales ops organization is somewhat in its infancy, in a way, at Sumo Logic, is that function gets stronger and stronger, that will enable me to lean on them more and then spend more time out out in the field and bringing that piece back into the picture. But I think both pieces are so critical in a sales org today. Yeah. Well, I want to get back to that. We're going to take a short break, but when we get back, talk about uh, what would you be looking for sales ops to do more of that could help you. And we'll be right back after the break here Frontline Friday with my guest, Bridget Gleason. Attention, sales leaders. Would you like to give your sales team the tools to drive more quality connects, scale their outreach, and spend more time selling? Well, you can with LiveHive. Get your ROI. Try it now at livehive.com forward slash ROI. That's livehive, L-I-V-E-H-I-V-E dot com forward slash ROI. All right, welcome back. So, we were just talking about sales ops before we took the break. And you're saying that, you know, this is becoming much more of a data-driven, actually not so much a 
you know, support function the way that it was before, but really an integral part of capturing revenue. So explain what, what you see this group doing more for you as, as your organization continues to grow. So one of the big things, Andy, I, I had a call with uh, a, a prospect yesterday and it, kind of the conversation went off and around and we were talking about the role of, of data in a sales org. And Andy, the biggest challenge right now is we can't expect to get great insights from the data unless the data is clean. Mm-hmm. So one of the big things, and it's, it's an arduous task and it's ongoing. So one of the biggest things that I look for sales ops, what I look to sales ops for and, and continue to look for is, first of all, clean data, clean, comprehensive data. So it needs to be as accurate as possible and it needs to be as um, complete and comprehensive as possible. And so where's that data originate? Because it's not all just input from the CRM system. Well, it depends. No, it's, it's absolutely not. A lot of it is going to be from marketing. A lot of it, it can come from product. It can come from if you're using a customer management tool like a gain site mm-hmm. to, see what, to see what they're doing. It, it can come from all different sources. Our salespeople are leaving tracks all over the place. So it can be also pulled from their, what they're doing uh, via email or phone or social. It can be what our customers or prospects are doing. That information needs to be pulled. It can be um, uh, lists of what, what our target customers look like. I mean, there's a myriad of data sources now and there's not a good tool or collector out there that collects all of these so it's really quite a challenge yeah yeah all those disparate sources of information absolutely lots of different disparate sources and salesforce is not necessarily the best place to collect and be the the collector of all this information the data warehouse but in most companies and ours ours would be the same um that's that is where it's being held yeah and the goal is at that point is to be able to collect these disparate sources of information, be able to present them on a, a unified screen for your SDRs, your inside sales reps, and so on. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that is a big challenge. So let me move on. So how much time do you spend then planning? I mean, during a day, do you take you know, 15 minutes? Do you have 15 minutes to grab to yourself to plan or half hour? Or how do you, how do you budget that time? I hate to tell, I hate to say the hours that I work because I don't recommend it. I, I spend, so I'm up really early. I'm up by 4.30 every morning. And I have a certain amount of time that's just for me in the morning. But that's really personal Bridget time. Right. I read You're out running, comments. training for I, your marathon. Well, I do. I, I'm, gosh, I'm set. I'm a, I'm a creature of habit. And I'm also, uh, I'm, I'm actually quite disciplined. So I, every morning, I read the New York Times, I write in my journal, and I run. Those are three things that I do. Okay. Typically, when I come into the morning, um, I now schedule in my day, Andy, and I block the time. And I, I put on my calendar, PWT, personal working time. Mm-hmm. And that's my planning time. And I have at least two hours every day that I block 
and and it's just for me to plan. I may check email, but I I I have to block time every day for planning and thinking, and just I, I've got to do that. Otherwise, my day will get it will just get ahead of me. Yeah, I mean, you won't have the time. You'll it'll get away from you, as you said. And within that two-hour block, do you have? Well, I said, do you allocate besides just email? But hey, every day I'm trying to spend a certain amount of time planning, right? Thinking about what's next. Is there a, do you have a structure for that, or it's just you know addressing the things that come up? I don't. I don't just address things that come up. I don't. I don't know that I have a good structure, but I am continually looking. Andy, for me, it's at least it, it's two quarters ahead. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it's not the coming quarter, but it's the following quarter. And so I'm thinking about because if I haven't figured out what's hap- what's going to happen this coming quarter, I'm too late. Right. So it's at least it's at least it's at least one quarter, two quarters ahead. Is there a particular? I don't have a particular structure around it, other than I know some key. Uh, problems I'm trying to solve. And I look for, okay, what are the things that I need to push on to move the needle in these areas? I presume one of those is team building, recruiting a team, scaling your team. How involved do you get in recruiting? And not not just, the, and I know obviously the interviewing, but you know, the pre-interview, are you involved with screening resumes? Or are they screen, pre-screen before they get to you and you screen, do your own screen? I mean, how does that work for you? We have a great recruiting team. So the recruiting team, they do all the screens. They go through all the resumes. When I first started, I was very involved in that just so that they would get a sense of what I was looking for. I mm-hmm. feel like we've gotten it to a place where I, don't, I, I definitely I don't need to be involved in that initial screen. Then they'll do a, someone in recruiting will do a phone screen. And then at least one person on my team will do a phone screen. It's only when they've passed a couple of those that it gets that it gets to me. And one of the things we do here is anybody that gets hired in a sales role has to do uh, a mock discovery call and presentation on Sumo Logic. Mm-hmm. And what's great about that is it weeds out a lot of people that aren't willing to go to go put in put in the work. Uh, so that's that's been a really effective. And oftentimes, sometimes I'll sit in on those too. The other thing we do is I've got three different regions that are hiring salespeople. And we don't hire anyone unless one of the six managers I have in those regions is a strong advocate for that person. So if if everybody, if people are neutral, we don't hire them. Mm-hmm. Someone has to be a very strong advocate for that person for them to get hired. And I'm I'm I I trust their judgment. I I I meet almost every person at least once or have a phone call who we hire onto the sales team. Right. So I spend a lot of time. I spend a lot of time recruiting depending on depending on my schedule. Are you still at the size you know everybody's name? In the company or on the sales team? <laughs> on the sales team. <laughs> Definitely on the sales team. Okay. Yeah. In the, In company? the company? Not, qu- not quite, but I'm working on it. I've been here four months. And we're on two different floors. Sales is on the second floor, um, engineering and marketing and some of the other ops functions are up on the third floor. The only team I don't know everybody's name right now is engineering, but I'm determined. All right. It'll happen. All right. We'll test you. All right. So 
then the last thing is is next last thing actually is, is so how much time do you spend in you know corporate meetings right executive I'll team just, meetings and so on i'll just say too much too many and <laughs> well, it's always the case right yeah and we're we're really working we're really working to cut that down and this is i am deliberate I'm deliberate about this also. So, and, and I'll tell you a couple of things that we're doing. Um, I've moved our all hand sales meetings from once a week to every other week for an hour. Mm -hmm. I used to sit in on all of the manager, all of the uh, regional manager meetings. Now I only sit in on them like once every two weeks, once every three weeks. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to pull my, I'm, I'm starting to, in some ways, Andy, push down more responsibility and accountability to the managers. My first three months here, I felt that I needed to be very actively involved in all of them just so that I got a good understanding of the business. At this point, I feel it's, it's time and it's appropriate for me to take a step back Push, push the accountability down and have them bring me in when they need to. Another thing that we're impl I'm implementing, um, this came as a recommendation from one of the consultants I work with, is weekly office hours mm -hmm. open to the company. Anybody in the company, and I'm going to do it with our VP of marketing. He and I, because our jobs are so entwined, right. we're going to hold weekly office hours where anyone from the company can come for an hour and ask us questions about anything. And the reason to do this, one of the reasons to do this was because this consultant had said at previous companies, that's how their executives were able to reduce the number of 15, 20 minute meeting requests that they got, and yet still give that time and visibility and face-to-face -face with, a, with a larger number of people. Yeah, it shares, so, that, it shares that information, which I think it's a, a very interesting idea. Yeah, because a lot of times you get the same you get the same questions. Yeah, and it's but I said it's much more effective if people can come, they can listen. I presume if you have remote employees, they can dial in and listen as well. They can definitely dial in and listen also. Yeah, it's it's a great idea. I mean, it's a great communication tool, and really a good lesson for you know people that are listening, companies that are listening, managers that are listening to the show that you know, what could they do to increase the, the efficiency and the effectiveness of their communications? This is, this addresses both. Yeah. And we're starting that, uh, in two weeks. So we just, uh, we just figured out what's the right time that we can do on a weekly basis, who should be involved. And with the, with, uh, the holidays, it's a little bit, uh, trickier in terms of planning, but, uh, I'll, I'll keep you posted as to how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely check back in. So the last question then is, is, you know, you sort of alluded to this earlier. What time do you get in? What time do you leave the office? Andy, I don't like to rep I don't like to answer this one, but I'm going to because okay. you asked me. Sure. I'm in the office definitely by no later than seven thirty, mm -hmm. and I typically don't leave before seven thirty. And is that, in your experience, you've worked a number of startup companies. It's atypical or typical. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I know my, my experience from startups is a f relatively typical. I mean, you may start a little bit earlier, but certainly people are in typically by eight and, you know, the, the end time tends to be a little flexible. Yeah, I guess for me it's typical, but I think that's also a function of just me. That's a function of me. Mm -hmm. 
it's a function of, yes, I like to be in startups. The reason I hesitate to say it, Andy, is because there was a time, especially when my, my sons were young, and I've told several people the story before of, of raising, I, I raised my two sons as a single mom, and I uh, was an individual contributor for much of it. And I, I couldn't work 7.30 to 7.30. And I needed to figure out ways to be more efficient and still be really productive. Mm -hmm. So I think it's definitely possible. I don't think it's a requirement. I think in some ways I can be a little lazier now, and, and which sounds sort of funny working 7.30 to 7.30. <laughs> but I, I, my, my sons are 25 and 26. They're out and launched. I... I have the flexibility to spend more time at the water cooler and chit-chat where I really didn't have that before. So sure. I guess my point in it is I don't believe that in order to be productive, people need to put in those hours. I think you need to, you need to work hard, you need to work smart, but I don't want people to think that that is necessarily a requirement of the job. I was able to do it very effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, when I had to, and sometimes right. I think, God, what's wrong with you, Bridget? You used to be able to do it in, you know, it was like a 40 hour week as opposed to 60 or 70 hour week. Yeah. Well, I th again, I think you said it. I mean, you, you have that flexibility in your schedule. You can do it. So it's, you know, it's not an imposition as if you had young kids at home or something, right? That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we've all done that or not we all, but a lot of us in our career, same thing as, yeah, you make choices at certain times and you're in jobs that require, like I had, you know, jobs that are traveling extensively all the time, you know, overseas. Mm. And yeah, at some point you have to make a choice about what you're prepared to do. And, and I do think it's important. And again, it's funny coming from me saying I, I work 7.30, 7.30, but I, I really do believe that, that balance and, and having some time for yourself is really important. And however you choose to do it, I choose to take that time really early in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, and then at night, I, I, I avoid evening events as much as possible. Um, so people choose to, do it, to, choose to do it differently. But I think everyone needs to figure out for themselves how much time they need to recharge their battery, what that looks like for him or her. Uh, when they do it, but you, you you really do need to make sure that you that you recharge and you just don't have pedal to the metal because you'll burn out and that's not good for the company. It's not good for you. It's not good for family. Exactly. I mean, I mean, really, the lesson there is you have to invest time in yourself. As you said, you get up, you exercise, you do some reflection, personal reflection with your journaling and so on, and that's all really important stuff. Absolutely agreed. Yeah. Well, good. Well, this has been a day in the life. Bridget, thanks. As always, a pleasure to talk to you. And this is, uh, we'll talk to each other next week. Sounds great. Have a great day, Andy. All right. Thanks, Bridget. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. Hi, this is Andy. I have a special offer for loyal listeners of Accelerate. It's a no-obligation, free trial of my zero-time selling, interactive online training. Now, I've worked with thousands of sales reps to teach them how to use my zero-time selling to boost their productivity and transform the results. And so if you want to learn the same proven strategies to help you open more doors, have more effective sales conversations with prospects, 
and close more orders, then my Zero Time Selling Interactive Training System is a fit for you. It's incredibly simple to start. Just take out your smartphone and text the word TRUST, that's T-R-U-S-T, to 96000. Now, do you have your phone ready? Send a text to 96000. That's a nine and a six followed by three zeros. Now, enter the single word message TRUST and hit send, and you hear right back from me with instructions on how to sign up for your free trial on my Zero Time Selling Interactive Training. I look forward to seeing you there.